bathroom. What? What's wrong? Are you sure this isn't boring? It's not boring. You're I think I'm just boring everyone to tears. You're telling what they need to know. I mean, know. I know I'm telling them what they need to know, but I just feel like I'm boring everybody. Well, you're not. I like it. I'd like to do something a little more wacky. The show's going to be wacky. Something fun. What about you? Now I'm out of time. The Big Honkin' Show. Me gusta la honkin' glan. Espectacular mucho. I like The Big Honkin' Show a lot. It was at least 10 foot tall, Steve. With beautiful hair. I had beautiful hair. I rough talked him and run him on. Master's degree in communication. (laughs) 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 Who gave him that? It's just like it was the build up. And a master's degree in communication. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Mark Out Loud. Iconic as that one image is, a lot of people don't really talk about that much. Probably because of this. Yeah, like definitely. I mean, they would go, but well, I mean, they when, started going a lot. Jerry Lawler, you know? It's when Jerry Lawler started calling Canada Bizarro World. Yes. Welcome to Rock Out Loud. That's freaking Slash. Yeah, it's you great, know? that guitar solo, too. And uh, Disney Vault Talk. Just we're Dis- just Disney Vault. Disney Vault Talk. So, All right, and we're going to begin this joint in three... Two. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why you'd want to do it without us. <laughs> we're a blast. We're fun. <laughs> I know what I'm saying. My name's Steve Gloss, the great Carl LeClaire. You know, in the town that I run... The, the town that you run? Yeah, it's it's a little thing that exists inside of me. Okay. Carlville. Carlville. <laughs> Carlberg. <laughs> You're listening to the Geek Out Loud podcast, the official podcast of geekoutonline.com. We are talking the 1995 film The Avengers with Uma Thurman and Ray Fiennes. I am really excited because I've never seen this movie. So Why did it take us so long to get to here? <laughs> well, it's Geek Out Loud. Sean Connery's in it. We spent a lot of time talking Star Wars. Peace out, folks. <laughs> we had that. <laughs> Good show. Flawless, and you cut the music. <laughs> is that how we? Is this? How, this is how we end. <laughs> we see you guys later. One. <laughs> it's like you just shut it off. We're out of here. We're done with this. I just kicked the chair. Shotglassdigital.com. On this episode of Geek Out Loud, I'm about to go old school as I talk about some of my favorite comics from the past, or one of my favorite comic stories from the past. We've got your emails, snippets, and the longest bad impressions theater yet. Oh, you're going to love it. It's your safe place to geek out. It's the Geek Out Loud podcast.
Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet. With a quick apology to our live audience, uh, we had some big internet issues around the area today. They said they'd be resolved by 4 p.m. Central Time. Now, I'm in Eastern Time. That means 5 p.m. And uh, they turn around, and at 5.30, I'm checking it's not up, not up. 7 o'clock rolls around. I've put that we're going live at 7.30. That's what I put on geekoutonline.com. 7.30, Geek Out Loud. I've got friends that want to get together after Geek Out Loud and do some stuff. And uh, the, the cable company, the Internet's just still not working. Still, I call. I'm on hold for like 20 minutes. And uh, they're like, well, you need to do this, 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 and this. And I do this, 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 and this. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Call back. Still, uh, another 20 minutes on hold. And that time they walked me through, boom, we're up and running. And now, uh, so much later than what I intended to be, we're rocking uh, Geek Out Loud, ladies and gentlemen, live. Now, if you're not joining us live, we invite you to. Uh, there's a goal show going, a goal of our show happening every day of the week, Monday through Friday. Not every day of the week, every weekday, I guess I should say, at www.mixler.com slash Big Honkin' Show. We've taken over the Big Honkin' Show feed uh, with the Goaliverse. And if you're not listening to the Big Honkin' Show, uh, let me give you a quick taste of what you're missing. Now it's time for Kids Ask Steve. Take it away, kids. Mr. Deep, where did glitter come from? Well, glitter's just ground up unicorn bones. Seriously, man? You just told a four-year-old that? You're unbelievable. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things ever made. Uh, our good friend Daniel and Andy uh, made that commercial for us, and it is awesome. And and we really, or I really appreciate um, Daniel uh, doing the stuff he does for us. He, along with Jimmy and Georgia and John Reed and so many others, have helped out and uh, gone above and beyond. And there's a lot of you that have gone above and beyond with your Patreon support. We launched a Patreon uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and it has, the, the response has been overwhelming and humbling. And I just seriously, 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 from the bottom of my heart, just say thank you. You know, when I, I've said a bazillion times, when I started doing this thing, I just wanted to do a podcast. I just wanted to talk about the stuff that I love and... Um, and have a good time with it. That was really the ultimate goal. I wanted to sit down behind a microphone, have fun, and talk about the things I love uh, that I just couldn't have conversations with most people who lived around me about because no one was into it. And and it has exploded into this little thing we call the Goaliverse. And, and every single listener matters, and every one of you is so important, and I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And there have been so many of you who have stepped up to the plate over at patreon.com slash geekoutloud. Uh, to be a monthly supporter of the Goaliverse, and I can't tell you just how much that means to me and and what it means to me that you would be so kind and so giving, and uh, and it just, it does, it honestly means the world. If you want to help out, you can head over to patreon.com slash geekoutloud. You can give as little as much as you want to. These podcasts, the Goaliverse podcast, will always be free. There's one exclusive show we're doing. The first episode has been released to Patreon supporters from June. And um, it's gone out there to the masses, <clears throat> getting a lot of feedback, most of it not good. But that's what we expect. Hey, that's fun. That's fun. The only way to go from there is up. It reminds me of the old days when old Sci-Fi Now got a hold of us and reviewed us. So. <laughs> and apparently, uh, right now on iTunes, um, Cody Murphy on the Twitter uh, gave us the shout-out here. 
that uh, we're number 228 on iTunes in the TV and film category, Geek Out Loud is. So uh, the way you can help us get even higher is by telling people about it, getting more people uh, to download it, getting more people to be a part of it, and leaving a rating and review if you like the show especially. If you don't like the show, just ignore it. Don't review it. Don't rate it. But if you do like the show, go ahead and click on uh, the rating and review area and leave us a review and a rating and help us out. We've got... It used to tell you how many reviews you have, but now that they're doing these ratings things, they, they kind of give you more of the ratings number, but I'll have to check that out and see. And maybe we can start kind of a goal to get to a certain number of people uh, with reviews and, and, and such as. So, you know, we'll see. There's all kinds of things happening at the Goaliverse. This week alone, we've got Rock Out Loud and Disney Vault Talk taking place. Of course, the big honking show Call-In Spectacular will be happening Friday night. It's become our Friday night tradition together as we hear back from you guys who are listening. If you want to be a part of that, all you got to do is tune in. We'll give you a number to call in, and we will. Uh, you can get us up on the Skype, all kinds of things. And we just have such a good time at the uh, during the call-in spectacular. All kinds of great people calling in, having a, a good time with us. Well, that's kind of all the business out of the way. Uh, let's... Let's jump into some emails. We've got so few emails. Normally we've got a ton, but because we we did so many right there back to back to back to back to back, um, we uh, that we've just kind of emptied out the out the mailbag. So we've got a few. You can email us at geekoutonline at gmail.com. Geekoutonline at gmail.com. Uh, this first one comes from our good friend Ken Rose. He says, uh, my name is Ken Rose from Akron, Ohio. I've been listening to the wonderful world of goals since the beginning and have truly enjoyed it. I usually don't write in, but I had a few comments and suggestions after listening to the last few goal episodes. First, I liked your review show on Ready Player One, and I have a suggestion for a similar book if you're interested. Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson is another great cyberpunk book about a skateboard riding, katana wielding, pizza delivery boy who has to navigate through the real and virtual worlds to stop a cyber virus from infecting the world. Second, on the show you did on Saturday Morning Cartoons was awesome. I was born about a month before you, December of 76, and we grew up about on the same shows. My sisters and I would have to sit down every fall with a TV guide and schedule our Saturdays. It was like some big treaty negotiation. It really was, um, at least until my sister got too old to really worry about Saturday Morning Cartoons. But it was like a treaty negotiation with both sides having to decide who was the most uh, don't miss shows and we're having to compromise others so as not to miss them. Maybe in the future you could do a show on everyone's favorite 80s action shows. I loved watching shows like Knight Rider, The A-Team, and Airwolf. Perhaps even cover some of the canceled shows like Street Hawk or Manimal. Lastly, I share your love of all things wars, including Jar Jar and Ewoks. And I had a, few, I had a possible new show idea for you because that's what we need at Geek Out Loud uh, is a new show. That's one more. Just one more. So since you've already have a live feed set up for recording, you could do a Star Wars forum type show. I know RFR has a lot of content right now, but this would be a way to have live discussions of news and other topics with the fans of the galaxy as it happens. 
Uh, sorry for the long email. This wasn't a long email at all. Um, and this is from Ken. Uh, a live a live Star Wars call-in talk show. What would we call Wars Out Loud? A Star Wars call-in talk show. Now, there are several people who who wouldn't tune into that because they're not fans of the wars. They're more Trek fans. I'm looking at you, Doc Zen, in the chat. But, um, you know, I because Stephen Michigan says call it heaven. <laughs> Ooh, call the force. Um, I think it'd be fun. I think that could be fun. Maybe start doing something like that monthly and just having people call in and talk about uh, what's on their mind as far as Star Wars goes and that sort of thing. We could, I, I could see that happening. I could, I could see that going down and, um, and, and being something, something good, maybe, possibly. I'll, let me chew on that. Let's talk about that. And, um, and, and we'll go. We'll, we'll, we'll roll, we'll, we may roll into something like that. I, what I'd rather have is, um, if I'm going to do that, I'd need a co-host. I'd need a co-host for something like that. And see, Daniel and Indy's being very negative, and I don't appreciate it in the chat. So, um, yeah, I, that that's a great, interesting idea, Ken. I may steal that from you. Therefore, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> this next one comes from Luke. Leroy Jenkins! Uh, he says, hey, it's Luke, that guy you talked last night. He said, for what I'm wanting to talk to you about, he's talking about, he called into the uh, Big Honkin' Show. He said, it's a Saturday morning cartoon lineup. He said, without any more delay, here it is. 8 a.m., Dragon Ball Z. 8.30 a.m., One Piece. 9 a.m., Bleach. 9.30 a.m., Yu Yu Hakusho. 10 a.m., Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. 10.30 a.m., Avatar. 11 a.m., Legend of Korra. And 11.30 a.m., Star Wars The Clone Wars. Um... I didn't know anything. Well, I'm familiar with Dragon Ball Z, but I never watched it. I didn't know anything else you were talking about until you hit Avatar and The Legend of Korra and Star Wars The Clone Wars. Ken, he says, I'm sorry I'm late to the bandwagon on this. And mine is a bit more anime-based because when I was growing up, I was around my cousins who were at the time really into anime. Um, I just never was. My anime is limited to Voltron. And uh, I did watch a little bit of Transor Z back in the day. I never really got into Robotech, which was a great 80s anime thing that people said. Or Battle of the Planets I never got into, which is also called Gacha Man, apparently. But um, So any of this other stuff, I just never got big into the anime. But I will say this. I've not, I've not been able to watch Legend of Korra. Um, it... it it, my DVR would not record it right, and, and it just got weird. So I've missed out on a lot of Legend of Core. But you want to talk about Avatar, The Last Airbender, not the movie by M. Night Shyamalan, but uh, Shalomon? Sh- Shalomar? Shala- Sh- Shyamalan. I never really knew. Shalomon. Shalomon. Yeah, M. Night Shalomon. Um, I have to see it in my head, which I don't even know that I can spell it. Anyhow, my point is this the cartoon series, Avatar. The Last Airbender. That was one of those things that I kind of went into. I mean, I'm, I I'll admit it openly and freely. I went into it kicking and screaming. And the only thing that got me into it was I found out that Dave Filoni had been involved in it. The showrunner, if you will, executive producer of The Clone Wars and now Rebels 
And I was like, well, I'll check it out. You know, let's find out what this guy's about. And I cannot recommend to people highly enough the first three seasons, those three seasons of Avatar, The Last Airbender, book one, book two, book three. It is, it is a really incredible journey that you find yourself, you know, get through the first two episodes, two or three episodes, get to know these characters, and I think you'll really dig it. It, it, it has just a great format that it follows. Uh, every, not, I'm, I'm not going to say every episode matters, but it kind of does. And the more you get into it, the more you learn to love these characters and, and get invested in these characters. And you want to see, um, you want to see the, see things work out for the best for them. And, and you just kind of get in this world and it's really cool. It is such a great, great show that I, I honestly, I've not seen the movie that M night Shalomon did because I just haven't really had the uh i never took the opportunity to do so i'd heard so much negative about it and normally i jump on you know the it's going to be me against the world on this thing but i just i I never got a chance to see it and and what really disappointed me is i was talking to fans who aren't really necessarily online fans i was talking to real life people who loved avatar the last airbender the show and they went to see the movie and they were so let down by it and they said it was because everything was so serious there were no laughs in it sip of water there guys and 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 the thing about the last airbender avatar the last airbender is it is not this this serious thing there is some serious stuff in there there's some deep serious stuff in there but there's also a lot of fun to be had and they said that the movie kind of lacked that so i took them on their word as being fans of the cartoon series and um and i just didn't um i didn't go see it I'm getting some heat in the chat right now because I called, I said not online people, but real people. No, I mean, um, it, I mean like people I know in the real world, in real life. Not that you're not in the real world, <laughs> but you know, in real life, people in real life. Um, so yeah, we should do a whole show on Avatar The Last Airbender. Brian Boshan, uh, writes in and he says, um, Having been a part of the original movement and email writing campaign to get Steve on uh, what was then the Force cast, it still makes me smile every time I hear him on Rebel Force Radio. Thank you so much, Brian, for that. I appreciate that. I've I've enjoyed um, being a part of those guys. And Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, but was it you? Because I was just doing this thing as a bit to get on that show, and I was having people email them telling them, you know, they should have me on or whatever. And I got a negative review at Geek Out Loud for that on the Geek Out Loud uh, iTunes. Got a negative review because of that. I need to go find that because it is actually pretty funny. Um, and uh, and I think, Brian, it was you that emailed me and said, why don't you just invite them on to your show and and for an interview? And I was like, genius! That is brilliant! I will do this now! So, uh, we, I have 208 reviews. 274 ratings. So that's great. Um, I'm going to go to the most critical. And uh, we've done the weeding thing. Um, wow, I, don't, I can't find it. Huh. Maybe maybe it's not there anymore. But someone had, had left. Maybe they went in and deleted it because they finally got the joke. 
but someone had left a left a uh, left a review that basically said it was a fun show until the uh, the hosts began to um, how did he say it the hosts began to suck up to the force cast we have three one star reviews on or ratings on iTunes that's sad hmm I wish those people would have left reviews because that'd be fun to read I have fun reading negative reviews. So, but anyhow, well, they left that review. I remember it clearly because you always remember the bad stuff people say. Um, you never remember the good, of course, like this one that was um, posted on July 2nd. It says, this show makes me happy. Steve's created a safe place to geek out. Even if you don't like the same things he does, he's so much fun. And uh, that was by Mad Cow Mama. Hmm. Or it says Mad Cow Mama and by Wonderful Lackey WC. Thank you, Wonderful Lackey WC. So, um, five stars. Great review. Thank you so much. Though, was this review helpful? Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> I'm sorry. I amuse myself sometimes, gang. But anyhow, I think Brian was the one that suggested, hey, you should get him on. And now Brian has laid down the gauntlet, ladies and gentlemen, with another email. He says, Steve, you should totally get Dave Filoni on Geek Out Loud to talk some Godzilla. I I don't know if it can be done. Can it be done? Is that something that is possible? Do I even dare dream? Do I even dare dream that that Dave Filoni would come on this show? Do I dare dream that? Hmm dream away I don't know I don't know how to make that happen Brian I really don't he says use Jimmy Mac I hate to use people who know people as connection I don't I'm not I don't want to be that kind of guy but I think it would be great to have Dave Loney on and just tell him just I'm going to reach out to him somehow I got to figure out I got to get in touch with the publicist I don't want to talk Clone Wars I don't want to talk Rebels I just want to talk Godzilla Come on and let me ask you a few questions about Godzilla. History shows again and again, part two. Uh, and finally, this one comes from Chris Reyes. He says, hey, Steve, this is Chris. Congratulations on the gold marathon. Uh, he says, here's a list of my top five Saturday morning cartoons. But uh, he only throws in four. Um, he says, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 2003 to 2009. A fantastic take on the Turtles with an emo Matrix vibe going for it. Have you ever read the original Eastman and Laird comic series? If so, what is it like compared to what came afterwards? I've never read the original Eastman and Laird series. Um, I remember when they were huge. I remember the first comic book convention I ever went to wasn't really a convention. It was more just kind of a, a bunch of dealers getting together. And you walked around and looked through their long boxes and... And they were all like, the only thing they would buy was, was Turtles, was original Turtle stuff. And I never had any of those. Um, number three says, House of Mouse. Think of it as Muppet Show, but with all the Disney characters ever created. Everyone from Mickey and Donald to Aladdin and Tarzan. Did you ever hear about the show? I did. It was. A, I think they actually had like, it was almost a nightclub type setting. And then they would do, they would show some shorts, a few shorts. Um, cartoon shorts, guys. Not like pairs of shorts. Uh, during the show. And... Um, and and I never really got into it. I tell you what, that's something I'm going to have to run by Teresa Delgado on the next Disney Vault Talk, which is happening Thursday night. 
Number two, he says, Transformers. I absolutely loved this show as a kid. Plus, I have wonderful memories of playing and collecting the toys as a kid and playing with my dad. I, Transformers, um, we talked about on the last episode. We didn't dig deep, deep, deep into the episodes of the original G1 series, but maybe we should. Maybe I should do that. Maybe I should, um, maybe I should do a new segment every now and again on Geek Out Loud, especially the way... Listen... Today you're going to get the segment that no one asked for, and that's the Bad Impressions Theater. But uh, but maybe I should replace that with, and now Steve reviews a Transformers episode. <laughs> Number one, Buzz Lightyear of Star Command. Out of everything else, this was the show that I anticipated uh, most every Saturday morning. Having the chance to see one of my favorite characters from the Toy Story movies on an animated TV show was very exciting. Unfortunately, Tim Allen couldn't provide the voice for Buzz, but was replaced by Patrick Warburton, my Lanta. Patrick Warburton is one of the funniest people in the world for me. His delivery of everything he ever delivers line-wise is just some of the best stuff. Um, You just can't beat it. I love his voice. I love his line deliveries. He's just hilarious. He was a good replacement, but I found his delivery of To Infinity Beyond a bit of an eye roller. That line belongs to Tim Allen. Have you ever seen or heard of this show? Yes, I have, definitely. Um, I never... Uh, granted, it was way after my time. I was in college by the time Buzz Lightyear came along, and by the time Toy Story came along. And, um, and and you know, unfortunately, I just never watched Saturday morning cartoons during that time. I was sleeping in on Saturday mornings most of the time. So, um, But that's not to say it's not worth my time. I'm just saying that I never watched it, so... Uh, and that is from, but I believe it was Buzz Lightyear Star Command. I believe it was kind of like um, a Green Lantern Corps with Buzz Lightyear people, and uh, and he went on adventures and fought the evil Zerg and such as. So uh, I'm loving the conversation. I'm loving the, the some of the cartoons that are getting brought up by people still still uh, sending in ideas for their cartoon shows and in and the in the saturday morning cartoons that they loved i, I always dug that so um yeah but i was my eighth year in college that's right mm. anyhow all right um you can email us be a part of the conversation something on your mind something you're geeking out about let us hear about it at geek out online geek out online at gmail.com i'm getting a lot of emails that are both to geek out online and geekoutloud at gmail.com. There's no such, not to me anyway. If you're sending, someone is getting those emails thinking, who's writing me? Why are these people writing me? I don't know why someone has geekoutloud at gmail.com, but they do, and it's not me. So geekoutonline at gmail.com. All right. Um, on the snippets, wow, I forgot to stop. Every, I got this program. You got to stop. You got to say stop after current, and I did not do that this time. Uh, in the snippet section, uh, this go around snippet. I was wrong yesterday on the Big Honkin Show. Now, for those of you who don't listen to the Big Honkin Show, that doesn't mean anything to you. But I want to be a man who owns up to the fact when I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and 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 I don't want to hide behind. Um, you know, being right, I guess. <laughs> I don't want to hide behind my microphone and ignore things. Well, look, when I'm wrong, I'll say I'm wrong. Anyone who's listened to the exclusive Patreon podcast knows that uh, there's a certain moment when I just, uh, yeah, I'm done. I, I realize I was wrong. I was wrong. 
And uh, and there's no different here. Yesterday on the Big Honkin Show, uh, we did a crossover segment with the Lost Hours podcast. Check out the Lost Hours podcast. Steve in Michigan and uh, our good friend Mitch Huff do a show together. Great show, great time. Funny guys, good guys. The Lost Hours podcast. And uh, I did a quick crossover moment with them. And we got somehow we end up talking about the Hulk for a minute. And they said something about the Hulk being able to leap into outer space. And I was like, no, that's not true. He can't leap. You know, I mean, I guess if he got mad enough, he could uh, leap into outer space. Well, leave it to my nemesis. Leave it to the arch enemy, uh, the arch nemesis of the Goliverse, Doc Zinn, to um, to make sure that I was fact-checked. And uh, and immediately, I mean, not I, it, it, it had to be like two minutes after the show was over. I was looking at something either on Twitter or Facebook, and I had a link to um, to an article where the Hulk leaps into outer space. He reaches escape velocity. Uh, in Hulk issue number 254, um, he does this. Uh, I don't know why he leaps into space. He just happens to. Um, and, um, and he's in the one page that it shows here is it's cold here. It's hard for Hulk to breathe hard for Hulk to move because Hulk used to kind of do that, um, that kind of baby talk thing. You know, he'd, he'd refer to himself in the third person and uh, say things like Hulk smash and, and all this good stuff. So I did a little bit of digging to try and figure out what this, uh, what was going on in this particular comic and uh, I found the cover and looked at it. And on the cover is uh, he's got four fantastic new enemies. This is apparently the Incredible Hulk debut. It might be... I'm not sure if they debuted in the Fantastic Four or not. But it's a it's a team called the UFOs. U-F-O-E-S. And they were a team who tried to recreate the cosmic storm that turned the Fantastic Four into um, the Fantastic Four. So he did an operation. Uh, the, the leader of them uh, funded an operation to gain superpowers the same way the Fantastic Four did. Uh, and he put together a team and that sort of thing. Um, and this whole their whole thing was they were going to be, uh, they wanted to be, rather, um, a, a counter-Fantastic Four. Uh, apparently, this is their. I'm doing a little bit of digging right now as I'm talking to you. Apparently, this was their first appearance in 1980. They were that early, huh? Um, and yeah, they their first appearance was in the Incredible Hulk 254. They get down to Earth, they get back to Earth, and boom, um, they become like some of the Hulk's biggest foes, the UFOs. There was a dude who could make energy. There was a guy who like could become any type of energy. The girl in the team uh, could become any type of gas, and uh, they had the big, strong, you know, almost uh, invulnerable guy. Vector is has telekinesis. He attracts or repels matter from his own body. Um, he focuses it into power blast. Um, oh yeah, there was an episode. There was an issue of the Hulk where he like flayed off of most of Hulk's skin and muscle tissue. While uh, the Hulk was moving forward, but his his the Hulk's healing factor caused it to grow back. Vapor has the power to alter her form into any known gas. She uh, usually just goes for poison. Um, X-ray 
is a living energy field. He's intangible and immune to most physical harm, um, although his powers cannot affect lead, much like Superman. And then ironclad. Uh, he was permanently uh, transformed into organic metal, similar to the X-Man Colossus. Superhuman strength, durability, and the ability to increase or decrease his own weight, hovering in the air, crushing like a mountain. Uh, so that is the UFOs. And they became, they became like, uh, not necessarily arch enemies of the Incredible Hulk, but they were enemies of the Incredible Hulk. But anyhow, for whatever reason, in this issue, he leaps into the uh, upper atmosphere um, and uh, people are saying he, he made escape velocity. What's even more compelling than that is Incredible Hulk Annual Number 10. This was originally published in September of 1981. And um, in it, Bruce Banner not only transforms into Hulk, but he also splits off and turns into Captain Universe. Now, Captain Universe is this character in the Marvel Universe who... Um, he has like unlimited cosmic power. I don't know about the itty bitty living space, but he has phenomenal cosmic power. Itty bitty living space. But people somehow, through some twist of fate, gain the powers of Captain Universe to thwart some type of huge cataclysm, whatever that may be. Spider Man partially gained, he didn't gain the awareness of Captain Universe, but he gained the powers of Captain Universe for a time during the Acts of Vengeance storyline. And then at the tail end of that, everything came full circle. He gained the awareness in the uh, of being Captain Universe and uh, to fight off uh, what they called the Tri-Sentinel, which was an invention by William Trask. I believe it was Trask. And it was just like this super mega Sentinel that, um, that only Captain Universe could stop. And so... Um, but in this in this particular issue, Banner becomes Captain Universe, and there is a um, there's a moment where there's a missile launched, and Bruce Banner is Captain Universe, who's apparently been struggling with the Hulk. Says, you know, I've I've let you distract me, but this is what matters. I've got to get to this missile, and the Hulk's like, no, I'm going to let the missile blow up. And he's like, why would you do that? And the Hulk's like, because Banner wants it stopped, so I'm going to um, get rid of it. Or I'm going to let it keep going. Um, uh, there's a moment there, the missile's up in the upper atmosphere, and he says, Incredible. Bruce Banner's thing, he says, Incredible. Even I never realized how incalculably awesome the help's power is. He leaped after the missile and is gaining, so he's catching up to a missile that has been launched, which is huge. Um, and so uh, I don't know how this ends because I'm looking at it online and I never read Hulk annual number 10, but I would like to. So, um, but, but I found what I did find was this great article at comicvine.com um, about the Hulk and, and his abilities based solely on, and it's all based solely on the fact that he's super strong. He's got incredible reflexes. He's super fast. Of course, the whole leaping thing um, is there. You know, the, the his durability is is shown. They've got like examples from all throughout the Hulk comics of of his durability, his speed, his his leaping ability, his strength. It's pretty impressive collection of stuff. And they give like the pages. They have. Um, digital pictures of the pages from where they get some of this information all the way back to Hulk number one right up through the tales of astonished time 
on into more modern times. And it's cool because there's some of these comics that I have that I'm looking through, like uh, Hulk number 349, where he fights Spider-Man, and he was the Grey Hulk at the time. He was Mr. Fix-It. Uh, they talk about Spider-Man being one of the only people um, who can evade the Hulk for, for an extended period of time, but the Hulk eventually gets him. That's how quick the Hulk's reflexes are. The Hulk is an awesome, awesome superhero gang. I've been saying it for years and years and years. I just wish you all believed me, but you don't. You just act like I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not, I'm kidding. You believe me. I'm just messing with you. I'm just, I'm just joshing you. I'm just joshing you. Snippet. Guardians of the Galaxy has a final trailer out, and uh, it's worth giving a listen to. Just press play on the awesome mixtape. I look around. You know what I see? Losers. I mean, like, folks who have lost stuff. Their homes, their families. And we're facing a threat that could destroy us all. We're gonna save the galaxy. We're gonna have to do it together. Partners. Why would you wanna save the galaxy? Because I'm one of the idiots who lives in it! Oh, what the hell? I don't got that long a lifespan anyway. <laughs> Why would you risk your life for this? Because right now, life's giving us a chance to do what? Something good, something bad, yeah. a bit of both. Or you will fight beside you. I will destroy you and your world. First, you gotta go through us! We're the frickin' guardians of the galaxy. I'm with them. have a plan. You've got a plan. I have part of a plan. What percentage of a plan? I don't know. 12%. 12%? <laughs> That's a fake laugh. It's real. Totally fake. That is the most real, authentic, hysterical laugh of my entire life because that is not a plan. I am Groot. So what? It's better than 11%. What the hell does that have to do with anything? Thank you. Groot's the only one of you who has a clue. That's Groot's eating a leaf on his arm. <laughs> get your tickets now at fandango at fandango um i'm telling you that is an it's an amazing trailer if you haven't seen it you need to check it out uh you get to hear ronan the accuser's voice you the song they're using you know it's the first trailer we've got where we don't get Hooked on a feeling. Um, and we get to see the banter between the guys, between that team. There, it says the, uh, and, and there's a moment in the trailer where it says, from the studio that brought you Iron Man, Captain America, Thor, and the Avengers. Uh, now brings you a team that's so good, it's criminal. Uh, they don't mention the Incredible Hulk, and that kind of hurts my feelings a little bit. But um, that's fun. 
that's fine. Go ahead. But it's just making sure that you know that um, this is coming from those same people. It Look, it's not going to be for everybody. And, I, and sometimes, just like with... Um, just like with Pacific Rim, I feel like that sometimes we get kind of caught up in the euphoria of being internet savvy people and knowing all of the stuff, uh, you know, and know and knowing how cool all this stuff really is and kind of being in on that secret. But with this, I think it's I hope it's not the same way. I hope that this that that people really get behind this movie, uh, this Guardians of the Galaxy thing, and it doesn't fall flat because it's hard to sell straight up science fiction. And this is straight up science fiction, but I, I think it's going to be really good. I think it's really, really going to be good. And so I just, everything I see makes me excited for it more and more. And we're less than a month away, August 1st, I believe, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to speak out of turn, but uh, if I'm not mistaken, August 1st, and I hope to be there to see it. So looking forward to Guardians of the Galaxy, great new trailer out Speaking of trailers, snip it! Two really quick Doctor Who teasers have been released. One is like a Dalek saying, We can see into your soul. We can see into your soul. Something like that. And you see the two hearts. You see like an x-ray shot of the Doctor and, and the TARDIS is exploding. TARDIS is exploding all around him. And, um, and, and you get an x-ray version of him and you see the two hearts and everything. The other is a little more compelling because he you get to hear him speak at you get to hear Peter Capaldi speak as the daughter the daughter. Don't call me daughter, not fair true. Um, you get to hear him speak as the doctor. And he asks Claire, he says, Am I a good man? And then it cuts it's it's obviously two different scenes, either from the same episode, but they're not and Claire says, I don't think I know who the doctor is anymore. And so, you know, Clara obviously dealing with the regeneration of the Doctor into this older character. And it's going to be really interesting to see what goes down. That's coming in August as well, uh, the new Doctor Who. So, got a lot of folks wanting us to talk some more Doctor Who. And that may happen as uh, as we move on. And finally, Snippet! Uh, <clears throat> this is huge to me. This is a big, big deal. Brandon Routh, former Superman from Superman Return, coming to Arrow in Season 3, the CW television show Arrow, as Ray Palmer, the Atom. I mean, guys, this is... This is a big deal. This is a huge big deal. And, um... Whoa. Uh, this 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 is massive. Because, one, it's Brandon Routh, all right? Um, it's Brandon Routh. He was Superman for crying out loud. He's a great actor. He really does a good job. If you see him in other stuff, he he does a he does a really great job. And the fact that he's coming in as Ray Palmer as the Atom is an intelligent Doctor. The Atom is, and look, the Atom is honestly one of those legendary characters. I think it's really cool. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It's a really cool concept to bring him in and to bring the Atom of all people in because the Atom is in that circle to me with the Green Arrow and Flash. Now all they need to do is bring in Hal Jordan. I think it's time. I think it's time. Um, There is a... 
I don't want to spoil anything. There is a bit of a Green Lantern Easter egg in in some of these shows from the CW. Let me just say that. And I think it's going to be really... I think it's just really cool to start to bring in some of these characters because they're bringing in people, guys. Look, you all know my love for Smallville. You absolutely know my love for Smallville. And if you don't, let me tell you something. I love Smallville. Um... And the one thing that Smallville was never able to do, they always had their hands tied. When they decided to start bringing in other characters, when they, started, when they decided to start bringing in other superheroes, they had their hands tied for two reasons. One is they were doing everything pre-Superman. It was Clark Kent on his road to becoming Superman. And two, there were studio restrictions they kept putting on him. And now with the restrictions off, it's like, dude, at some point, Superman could show up in this Arrow universe, in this Flash universe, and it could be awesome. But Brandon Routh stepping in as, as the Adam, as Ray Palmer, I hope we get to see some shrinking and some growing and that sort of thing. I hope he's not just a doctor who happens to uh, be smart and be there. I hope that he, I hope we get to see him in action as the Adam at some point. A recurring character role would be great. And it just gets me excited because this only means we're going to get to see more and more and more cool superheroes step into Arrow. And, and it makes me look forward to season three that much more. Uh, and it may, and listen, I can't tell you, I'm really looking forward to The Flash. I'll be honest with you, I'm on board with The Flash sooner. And not just because we're going to be doing a, a podcast about it at Starkville Labs. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> just got a text from rich who's listening live he says um sorry ryan reynolds is really busy in his career right now might impact his ability to appear on arrow or flash you know since he's the premier green lantern uh then he says really can't even keep a straight straight face typing this um i i think that um i think that I'll, i'm liking what i'm seeing in the flash pilot better than what I've liked what I've seen in Arrow because I like superheroes I like superheroes um superheroes you know and I listen whenever anyone says to me well Batman's better than Superman because Batman doesn't have powers I'm like but I don't care I like superpowers I like heroes with superpowers that's one of the things I dig about superheroes that's one of the re and that's just a personal opinion you know it's not about you know where they stand or what their personality is. I dig. I like supervillains with superpowers. You know, I always I got excited early on in Shield when it looked like when it looked like they were going to bring the villain Graviton in, but maybe they're saving him for some other movie down the road or something. But you know, I just I dig the idea, and so that's why I just I kind of like this Flash show out of the gate is because you're dealing with superpowers and it's really cool and. Um, and so I'm looking forward to seeing where they go from there, and I hope we get to see some uh, some Ray Palmer with some superpowers. But Brandon Routh going to be per praying? He's going to be per praying? Is he going to be stuttering while he uh, while he talks to the Almighty? He's going to be per praying. He's going to be portraying rather the Adam, and I'm looking forward to it. Ray Palmer coming to Arrow season three. If you're not caught up do so you can catch uh, episodes on netflix through season one 
And uh, Hulu Plus, I think, has some of season two on there. So do your best to catch up. It's worth your time. I promise you. I promise you, you'll enjoy it. Well, let's get into what I wanted to talk about on this particular episode of Geek Out Loud. You may think you recognize that music from a dozen different movies. And that's because these films, this the music that you're listening to is music from the uh, 1990, gee whiz, was it 92, 91? It was made in the 90s. Um, Fantastic Four movie that was uh, 1994, it says, that was never released to home video or even the theaters that the company just made it to keep the rights that spent about a million dollars on it uh robert um corman uh directed it and handled it and the music they use is very much it's very much reminiscent of every other movie you've ever seen you know whether it's independence day or at this point jurassic park that sort of thing it's it's really interesting but uh, I'm not here to talk about that movie, but I do want to talk about the Fantastic Four, not the movies that have come out uh, with uh, Ian, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, and Jessica Alba and Michael Chiklis and Chris Evans, but the comic books. Um, as you know, I was a big comic book collector back in the day, and I'm really turning the corner to say I was more of a comic reader probably than a comic collector because I read the heck out of these things when I started collecting. And the Fantastic Four was one of my favorite books back in the day. I loved the Fantastic Four. I liked the dynamics of all of them. I liked their superpowers. Again, I like superpowered superheroes. So uh, you had <clears throat> Mr. Fantastic who was stretchy. You had the Invisible Girl or Invisible Woman who turned invisible. And she also created force fields and such as you had the Human Torch who turned into fire and back and forth. And then you had the Thing, the ever-loving blue-eyed Thing, who was a big rock-looking dude, super strong, uh, cursed, because he could not turn back to his normal self the way everyone else could. Now, I'm actually talking about a run, a story that took place uh, in 1989, published in 1989. The cover date is June 1989, so that probably means... Uh, of this first issue, 327, Fantastic Four 327, probably means it was released in uh, March or April. Um, but they usually, the, the months were always a little bit off on these things. Uh, but 1989 was the year. This was um, a run that took place to kind of, they were resetting the status quo of the Fantastic Four. They were getting back the original members or, or a close proximity. What had happened was, is Reed and Sue have a kid named Franklin, and Franklin gets kidnapped, and they, you know, by one of their supervillain uh, enemies, the Wizard, who was the leader of the Frightful Four. Now, the Wizard is a dude. He wears a big weird helmet and dresses in pink and purple, 
And he thinks that he is just as smart as Reed Richards. And so he would always try to put together a team, kind of like those UFO guys, only he would try to go out and find a team to face down the Fantastic Four, and he'd call them the Frightful Four. And, the, and it was a rotating cast of characters in this team um, who who the Wizard chose because they could never work together. And, and whenever they failed, he'd just go find someone else, go find a different team. But um, Reed and Sue decided that they were tired of Franklin being in danger, especially after a, a situation with Dr. Doom. Dr. Doom showed up and tried to use Franklin Richard to help... Uh, deliver his mom, help him save his mom from the hands of Mephisto. And he was going to trade Mephisto for the soul of his mother was Dr. Doom. So after all this, Reed and Sue decided to kind of adapt some secret identities and move out uh, into the um, old, the the nice suburbs of Connecticut and uh, help raise Franklin without all the trappings of a superhero team behind him. They left Ben Grimm in charge and gave him the option to form his own team. So uh, the thing, Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm, the Human Torch, were still around. Um, Johnny, at this point, was married to the thing's former girlfriend, Alicia Masters. And so that was causing a little bit of friction between the two of them. He was looking for some extra help to, to continue on with the Fantastic Four, and he chose Crystal of the Inhumans who uh, had power to control all the various elements, earth, air, fire, and water, and such as. Um, She was estranged from her husband, Quicksilver. It's a soap opera, guys. Listen to this. And so he he chose her, and then there was this lady named Miss Marvel. She called herself Miss Marvel. He'd met her uh, back during the Secret War days, and she'd been a wrestler, had a few superpowers, but, you know, he was kind of helping her get... uh, kind of get her head screwed on right and he brought her into the team so it's ben and johnny and crystal and and crystal who johnny had dated in the past by the way so there was a weirdness there and um and ben and sherry was her name and uh miss marvel and johnny and crystal and this was the new fantastic four and they had a few adventures here and there and then in issue 310 after one particular adventure uh the thing and sherry found themselves in a ship going up into the outer atmosphere into low orbit where they were bombarded with cosmic rays. This, when they crash-landed, the thing had mutated into an even bigger thing. His skin was even rockier. He was much, much stronger. And Miss Marvel had turned into basically the she-thing. So, saying all that to say this, as you move through, we talked about the the series uh, that some people, a lot of people call Secret Wars 3 that started, man, in the tunnels of the Mole Man and ended up in outer space and in a whole other universe with the Beyonder. When they come home from that, Crystal has left the team. It's just the three of them. It's just Ben and Sherry and John. And, um, and, and, and look, I'm not even to 327 yet. In issue 320, the Thing and the Hulk have a fight. It's the it's the new Thing. It's the Gray Hulk. They have a fight that crosses over into Hulk 350. In 321, She-Hulk shows up. She-Hulk had been a member of the Fantastic Four way back. And uh, Miss Marvel just immediately kind of says, well, you're just like the Hulk. And so they have a fight. Um, and... And then Ben kind of clears everything. He's like, "Look, everything's fine. It's okay. This is She-Hulk." And they're like, "Oh, okay. We can be fr- now. We can now we can be friends again." So, 
Then Marvel had this event, if you will, called Inferno. Inferno was literally hell on earth, and it crossed over into all the books. I think it was an X-Men thing that they eventually cleaned up, but Mephisto unleashes hell on earth, and it affects everybody everywhere. In the Spider-Man comics, the Hobgoblin became a literal Hobgoblin because of it. Um, In... Well, that was the Spider-Man comics. In the Fantastic Four comics, Johnny Storm couldn't flame off. And he had to go supernova at one point, and he couldn't supernova down. Well, that leads him to call in Reed and Sue. And Reed makes a machine to try to draw some of the cosmic energy out of Johnny so he can kind of get back to normal and everything. And he does. Well, just as everything turns out okay, here come the Frightful Four. They begin to have a fight with the Frightful Four here at this laboratory, the thing gets cast into the machine in which Johnny was, and when he comes out, he's a regular human again. He's Ben Grimm. Now, why am I even bringing this up? Why does it matter the Fantastic Four and the thing are fighting? Why have I given you all this backstory? Because it all plays in into what's going to about what's about to go down. The Fantastic Four have their battle with the Frightful Four. They win. The Frightful Four in the next issue in 328 come back for another round. They've apparently gotten the upper hand, thanks to a watcher, apparently. Um, and Ben Grimm goes to fight off and save, fight off the Frightful Four and save the Fantastic Four. Um, however, he is, uh, he's, and, he, and he's successful. He gets them free, and the fight ensues, and the Frightful Four loses. And boom, at the end of this issue, they're transported into this weird place where there's this watcher named Aaron. And um, the last page you see on 328 is Aaron shows them the the Fantastic Four. They show them Johnny Storm, Reed and Sue Richards. They show them Ben Grimm as the mutated thing, and they show them Miss Marvel they're standing and it's like what in the world is going on and this launches into one of my favorite fantastic four stories because what you see is in the next issue in 329 the fantastic four go after the mole man not the fake fantastic four the, the fantastic four that the that the watcher aaron had um had had laid into and they just go after the mole man willy-nilly they're like we're here to take you down we're here to take you out do our thing do our stuff and it's like, and he doesn't understand why they're attacking him. The Mole Man is a guy who just is ugly. Ugly, ugly, ugly. And he lives underground. And um, because he was shunned by the by, by the world topside. And, um, and so he, and they just go attack him for no reason. But Mole Man's like, I will get you. God, I hate you. And, uh, and he blows up the island. And, and the Fantastic Four is strangely okay with that. But then you get to the very end, and there's two panels at the bottom of the page. And it says, and back in the cavern in Canada. Aaron says, they did well for a while, but in the end I had to make things the way I wanted them with my power. This may take some work. It's not always easy to make reality coincide with dreams. And it shows uh, Ben Grimm and the wizard both in these these basically suspended animation tubes and everything. The next issue is a mind trip, ladies and gentlemen, because it starts out. You see the you see this watcher Aaron uh, is what you find out his name is. 
you see him watching the Fantastic Four fight the Psycho Man, apparently, this, this fake Fantastic Four. But then he goes and watches the dreams. Um, or does... I can't remember if he does watch the dreams. Let me read here. It says, uh, Aaron... Aaron does some, the, the, the ink is smudged. He says, unaware the Fantastic Four clones he created resemble the Fantastic Four in the early years before they matured, just as he's unaware that each of the frozen figures before him is dreaming. Dreaming of the events that might well have taken place in the team's real-life adventures had he not interfered. And at this time, there was this this kid named Kristoff who thought he was Dr. Doom, who had taken over and ousted the real Dr. Doom from Latveria. And this whole story is Dr. Doom puts together a team of people like Kang the Conqueror, the Absorbing Man, the Beetle, the uh, the Hobgoblin, the Incredible Hulk, um, the... Uh, a guy named Pandemonium. Um, just all these different characters. And he uses them to attack Kristoff, who's put together his own team of Mysterio, Electro, Annihilus, Sandman, uh, uh, Abomination, Rhino. And they have this huge fight in Castle Doom. And it ends up, you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. There's no Fantastic Four action in this whatsoever. You're just amazed at all this stuff, and it ends up this huge nuclear explosion where he just blows up all of Latveria. And that starts just this huge world war, literal world war between all these superpowers and uh, people trying to attack Doom for launching a nuclear bomb, and he ends up doomsdaying all of Earth because of it. That's the dream. That's the dream that Sue Richards has. And this book ends by saying, And even a dream of such horror can't stir the frozen Susan Richard. So the damage wrought by the Watcher Aaron, or the Watcher known as Aaron, will go on. And you're like, Mylanta, what in the world? This is just, you've spent the whole thing reading a dream, a bad dream about the end of time. So you get to issue 331, and some other stuff starts to happen and you see the fantastic four interrupt a uh, a magician show a magic show and he's like you're a fraud let me show everyone how reed rich like i'm going to show everyone how this works and everyone's mad at the fantastic four this fake fantastic four who you find out in the real world is now charging new york a fantastic tax uh for their services and in this one we get the dream of reed richards and reed everything's okay and you're actually reading the fantastic four they're having a good time together. They're going through their daily business, but something has taken over the Baxter building where they live. Or the fin- Actually, it's the uh, Four Freedoms Plaza where they live. And um, you find out that Reed's computer, uh, after a game of Scrabble falls down, uh, you find out that his computer he'd made called Torino XL actually is an, is an anagram for Ultron 11. And Ultron shows up. Now, this should be interesting to all you guys who are looking forward to Avengers Age of Ultron. Ultron is a, a robot of, with artificial intelligence that's just out to destroy humanity. And they battle Ultron all the way through their building, Four Freedoms Plaza. And uh, it's just this big fight. There, uh, the And it ends up being Miss Marvel who goes after Ultron and just crushes him. In the end, and it's a happy dream. Everyone, everything. It's a typical Fantastic Four adventure. So you see that Sue is really worried about the end of the world, and Reed's just so glad that he has all this wonderful team and these people who are there. 
And it says, but of course, it's just a dream. It's not really allowed to happen. And it ends showing the the fake Fantastic Four asking people, have you paid your Fantastic tax yet? Um, you roll into the next issue, and the cover of 332 is just the Invisible Woman. Just She's just beat up. She's just beat to, beat to heck. And you're like, what in the world? How did this happen? And... Um, and so you find out that Johnny is dreaming about Crystal and Alicia and about all this stuff going on and how bad things are going, the drama that's there. But what happens is, is they work things out. Johnny and Alicia and Crystal work things out. Everything's good. Um, Crystal comes to the team to kind of take over for Ben uh, because he's not the thing anymore. And they're all going on adventures, having a good time. And then Sue sits down with Crystal. And this whole episode, or the, the, the meat of this issue, is a fight between the Invisible Woman and Crystal of the Inhumans. And they just fight it out. And, um, <laughs> and of course, Reed ends up taking Sue's side in the fight and all this stuff. Not suicide, but Sue Richard's side. He takes her side against Crystal. Um, and... Uh, and Franklin's in this, and he's having a hard time. And Johnny, this is all Johnny's dream. It's crazy. All the stuff they start to find out about that's going down and happening. They even there's even like a memory from an old uh, from an old story of the Fantastic Four going on. Um, and uh, oh my gosh! And Franklin makes them all fall, makes all the right people fall in love. Now this is Johnny's dream. Franklin, who's like super all powerful makes everyone fall in love with the people they're supposed to be in love with. So he makes Alicia fall back in love with Ben, Johnny and Crystal fall back in love, and that leaves Miss Marvel um, out of it. In Johnny's dream, you see the temperature on these things start to rise because it's Johnny's dream. So this whole thing ends, and, and you finally get a name to this it says uh in it on issue 330 the cover is is all the fantastic four versus each other and it says in final combat with their evil counterparts and the starting conclusion of the dream quest saga we'd never heard the term dream quest saga to this point it opens up with the avengers fighting this fake fantastic four in four freedoms plaza and somewhere up in canada <clears throat> Um, oh no, during this whole thing, while they're fighting the Avengers, the fake Fantastic Four gets transported to Canada. Because what has happened is, and you never see it, you never see you just open up to a splash page and it's like, boom, it's the Fantastic Four and the Frightful Four in a fight again. And they've got Aaron the Watcher stuck in one of his own tubes, kind of hanging out by his feet, and, um... And now the fight's on with the Frightful Four, the Fantastic Four, and the fake Fantastic Four. And it's just one page after another of hits and slugs and fake people fighting the real people and, and all this kind of stuff. And then um, Aaron gets out, the Watcher gets out, and he kidnaps the fake Fantastic Four. He's like, oh, well, I'll just watch your dreams. I'll just watch the clone's dreams, which, you know, it's been said that they, they couldn't do that. So when the Fantastic Four gets back... They make peace with the Avengers. Everything's okay. 
um, and they actually end up going to uh, the guy who's the writer of the Fantastic Four book, and they're like, his name is John Harkness, and they're like, can can you straighten all this mess out? And he's like, I'll try, I'll try. And this and this is the end. That is the end of a of a saga that literally started in a way back around issue 300, 301 of the Fantastic Four. This is 33 issues down the line. This is why I loved comics back in the day. This is why I absolutely loved comics back in the day. And um, it's one of the things that that just completely got me invested. Uh, This is actually one of the first stories I collected from the Fantastic Four because I was like, how are they going to get out of this? This is an unwinnable situation. They're in suspended animation. Every issue ends with their dreaming, and it should wake them up, but it doesn't because they'll never wake up. But they eventually do. And it's just a slugfest. And I'm, and I'm a sucker for superpower slugfest. It's, it's just one of those things that I absolutely love about these things. Um, you know, and you find out about Watchers. You know, even if you didn't know about Watchers, Watchers is this race of beings who just watch. That's all they do. They're really lame. They don't act. They just watch. Now, Uatu is the Watcher on the moon. And... Um, and he sometimes chooses to act a little bit, even though the people don't want him to. But Aaron was like a rogue watcher. And you find out that um, this thing had been building since around issue 321. when Because you see a weird character scraping some stuff off the sidewalk where the Hulk and Thing were fighting, where She-Hulk and Miss Marvel were fighting. And you find out he was just getting their DNA to clone them the way that he did. Later on, I mean, it's, it all comes in. It's also like three issues of what, three or four issues of what if stories. You get some what if stories were great things that Marvel did back in the day, where they're like in an in an alternate reality, this is the way this thing could have happened. What if? Um, I remember one I had was what if the Fantastic Four all had the same powers, and it was like four different stories, and it was very depressing at the end of one of them, where they all turned into monsters like the thing. Um, there was um what if the the symbiote had won what if the symbiote had fully taken over peter parker and and you end up having the whole marvel universe fight down the symbiote you had um gee whiz there were so many cool stories my cousin jason who you heard on the patreon marathon uh if you listen to mark out loud he loves some what if stories and he kind of got me into them back in the day uh and it built to this awesome conclusion this awesome fight it paid off in the end it really did and and it was a good cap off because what came next were the acts of vengeance. Walt Simonson stepped in as the artist, um, and and we were just off to the races again because as the acts of vengeance rolled on, it rolled right into a whole other time travel story with the uh, with the Fantastic Four that rolled right into a story with Doctor Doom that rolled right into yet another Fantastic Four story, Fantastic Four time travel story. Um, I got to see this is what I loved about comics was the ongoing the, the storytelling the the superpowers the fights getting to know all these different characters it was just always such a blast to me and it's and it's one of the things and I don't mean to bemoan the way comics are now but it's one of the things that are lost on comics today in an age when movies and TV are the thing and it seems like they're trying to make their products mirror each other so much you kind of lose some of these little teeny nuances of of these things you know you lose they had like in throughout these things there are asterisks the asterisks by 
different references to past issues. And it would say, go check out this issue. And now in the age of digital comics, that's something that should totally get brought up again to lead you to go pick up Fantastic Four 245 or or to go lead you to go pick up Marvel 2-in-1 Thing versus Thing or, or lead you to go pick up this particular issue or the first appearance of the Frightful Four or the first appearance of the UFOs as we talked about earlier. And and really help you get invested in this entire universe of characters. The other thing, just seeing the Fantastic Four versus the Avengers, it also makes me sad that in a world of of where where contractual mess beats out um, the desires of the fans, we'll never see Fantastic Four and the Avengers go at it. We'll never see uh, a a Marvel movie that has Reed Richards and Captain America in it at the same time because of the way the the way the licensing rights are done. You know, I just don't see that ever happening in in my lifetime, and and, I, and it kind of makes me sad because the, the the Fox who has the Fantastic Four rights and the X Men rights, I just you know I I know Josh Trank is doing this new Fantastic Four movie. I don't have the most of hope for it, and so I hadn't really talked about it much on geek out loud but i love the fantastic four i love this comic as a kid and 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 so i want to see it treated as well as captain america and thor and iron man and the incredible hulk and the avengers i want to see them treated as well as as black widow and hawkeye i want to see them treated as well as what it looks like the guardians of the galaxy are going to be treated i want to see these characters treated really well and and put in a situation where people love them as much as they love the Avengers, but I just feel like Fox is getting it wrong sometimes. And you know, obviously they didn't have much success with the other two. And um, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see what happens. And and I want it to do well. I want to see an awesome Fantastic Four story on on the big screen that captures my imagination the way this did, and the way that you know the first appearance of Galactus did. You know. Uh, I want to see these kind of things that that happen, and and I hope you know against all hope that one day they may. So I just I encourage you to check out some of the old Marvel stuff. I was a Marvel kid growing up. Comicsology and Marvel has made so much of their stuff available, so much of their back their back issues available at affordable prices digitally. And there's nothing wrong with digital comics. They're actually fun to read, They're, especially if you have like a an iPad. Um, they're great to read. It's great to load a few onto your iPad, and you can take with you where you go and and get into them and enjoy them, you know, and and find out who you like and find out, you know, how the medium has changed and it has in so many ways in uh, in in recent years. Well, and and that's good. It's a it's a thing that that evolves. I'm not saying it's changed for the worse. I'm just saying it's changed. But it's it's nice to go back and see where all this started and where a lot of this stuff came from and where we're at today. So. Um, so check it out. Dig into some older stuff if you're so inclined. And you may be surprised at what you dig into. You may be surprised that you enjoy it. <clears throat> well, I have now been talking steady on for about an hour and 15 minutes. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to try to rock <laughs> the longest yet most compelling Bad Impressions Theater we've ever done. It's Bad Impersonations Theater featuring Yoda as Colonel Nathan Jessup, the Joker as Lieutenant Daniel Cathy, and appearances by Frank Underwood, Captain John Luke Picard, and of course, Bob Dylan. This is the courtroom scene 
from a few good men. We open with Daniel Caffey talking to Colonel Jessup, who is on the stand. Picture it. <clears throat> Colonel, when you first learned of Santiago's letter to the NIS, you had a meeting with your two senior officers. Is that right? <clears throat> yes. The executive officer, Lieutenant Jonathan Kendrick, and the company commander, Cap Captain Matthew Markinson. Yes. <laughs> and at present, Captain Markinson is dead. Is that right? <laughs> yes. Objection. I'd like to know just what the defense counsel is implying. I'm implying simply that at present, Captain Markinson is not alive. <laughs> Surely Colonel Jessup doesn't need to appear in this courtroom to confirm that information. I just wasn't sure if the witness was aware that two days ago, Captain Markinson took his own life with a forty-five caliber pistol. And from the back of the room, Sam enters. He's escorting two young airmen in Air Force dress uniforms. Sam shows the airmen to a seat near the front, right here, and takes his place at the defense table. Over this, we hear, The witness is aware! The court is aware! And now the jury is aware! We thank you for bringing this to our attention! Move on, Lieutenant! Sam scribbles something on a piece of paper. Kathy walks over, looks at the paper, on which are written two names, Cecil O'Malley and Anthony Perez, and then turns back to Randolph. Yes, sir. Colonel, at the time of this meeting, you gave Lieutenant Kendrick an order, is that right? Kendrick, I told his men to tell that Santiago to be touched was not. And did you give an order to Captain Markinson as well? Ordered Markinson to have Santiago transferred off the base immediately, I did. But why? In danger, I felt his life might be. Once word of this letter got out. Grave danger? <laughs> is there any other, any other kind, is there? Kaffee holds up a document from his table. We have a transfer order that you and Markinson co-signed, ordering that Santiago be lifted on a flight leaving Guantanamo at six in the morning. Was that the first flight off the base? Hmm. The 6 a.m. the first flight off the base was. Kathy nods and moves on. Jessup steals a quick glance at the two airmen sitting out in the courtroom. Over here. Right here. Number one. Right here. Colonel, you flew up to Washington early this morning, is that right? Yes. I notice you're wearing your Class A appearance in dress uniform for court today. As you are, Lieutenant. Did you wear that uniform on the plane? Please, the court. This dialogue is... Is this dialogue relevant to anything in particular? The defense didn't have an opportunity to depose this witness, Your Honor. I'd ask the court for a little bit of latitude. A very little latitude. Colonel, 
fatigues I wore on the plane. And you brought your dress uniform with you? Yes. And a toothbrush, a shaving kit, <laughs> change of underwear. Your Honor. Is the Colonel's underwear a matter of national security? Gentlemen, you better get somewhere fast with this, Lieutenant. Yes, sir. Colonel? A change of clothes I brought, and some personal items. Thank you. Kathy gets a document. A document. Hm, I cannot speak, number one. Number one! Bring me my words! It was here! It was here, number one! Here! Here! I'm, I'm losing my voice. It was here, on this table, this document. He got it from this table. After Dawson and Downey's arrest on the night of the 6th, Santiago's barracks room was sealed off and its contents inventoried. Pairs of camouflage pants, six camouflage shirts, two pairs of boots, one pair of brown shoes, one pair of tennis shoes, eight khaki t-shirts, two belts, one sweater. Please, the court, is there a question anywhere in our future? Lieutenant Caffey, I have to... I'm just wondering why Santiago wasn't... Pat. That landed on the jury. Randolph. Ross. I'll tell you what. We'll get back to that one in a minute. Joe hands Kathy the computer printout. This is a record of all telephone calls made from your base in the past 24 hours. After being subpoenaed to Washington, you made three calls. I've highlighted those calls for you in yellow. Do you recognize those numbers? Colonel Fitzhughes I called in Quantico, Virginia. To let him know I'd be in town, I wanted to. To set up a meeting with Congressman Raymond of the House Armed Services Committee, the second call was. And to my sister, the third call was. Elizabeth. My sister's Elizabeth. To the third call. The third call to her I made. Why did you make that call, sir? To have dinner tonight I thought she might like. Judge, I'm gonna put a stop to this now. Joe's handed Kathy another printout and a stack of letters right here. Your Honor, these are the telephone records from Gitmo for August 6th. And these are 14 letters that Santiago wrote in nine months requesting, in fact, begging for a transfer. Upon hearing the news that he was finally getting his transfer, Santiago was so excited that you know how many people he called? <laughs> Zero. Nobody. Not one call to his parents saying he was coming home. Not one call to a friend saying, can you pick me up at the airport? He was asleep in his bed at midnight, and according to you, he was getting on a plane in six hours. Yet everything he owned was hanging neatly in his closet and folded neatly in his footlocker. <laughs> you were leaving for one day, and you packed a bag and made three phone calls. Santiago was leaving for the rest of his life, and he hadn't called a soul. And he hadn't packed a thing. Can you explain that? The fact that there was no transfer order, Santiago wasn't going anywhere. Is that right, Colonel? Object, Your Honor. It's obvious that Lieutenant Caffey's intention this morning is to smear a high-ranking Marine officer in the desperate hope that the mere appearance of impropriety will win him points with the jury. It's my recommendation, sir, that Lieutenant Caffey receive an official reprimand from the bench 
and that the witness be excused with the court's deepest apologies. I'd like some ribs. Overruled, Your Honor. The objections noted. Colonel? <laughs> Is this funny, sir? Because I love a good laugh. No. Funny it is not. Tragic it is. Do you have an answer? Absolutely. The first darn clue I don't have my answer is. Maybe an early morning riser he was. And liked to pack in the, in the HQ. Maybe friends he didn't have any. An educated man I am. But I can't speak intelligently. About the travel habits of William Santiago, I'm afraid. What I do know is that set to leave the base at 0600 he was. Now, are these really the answers I was called here to question the questions of the answers? Phone, phone calls and footlockers? <clears throat> Please, tell me something more you've got, Lieutenant. Please, tell me there's... An ape of, please tell me, an ace up your sleeve there is. These two marines on trial for their lives they are. Please tell me, their lawyer hasn't pinned their hopes on a phone bill. Have any other questions for me, do you, counselor? The courtroom is silenced. Jessup slammed the door. Caffey looks around the room, sees that the world is waiting for him to do something. Lieutenant Caffey! Caffey says nothing. He glances over here to Amin O'Malley and Perez. Lieutenant, do you have anything further for this witness? Caffey doesn't respond. Jessup gets up to leave. Thanks, Danny. Love Washington, I do. And Jessup stops, starts to leave, but he has stopped by. Excuse me. I didn't dismiss you. <laughs> Beg your pardon, I do? I'm not through with my examination. Sit down. Colonel. What's that? If he addressed me as Colonel or Sir, I'd appreciate it. Earned it, I have, I believe. Defense counsel will address the witness as Colonel or Sir. The kind of outfit you're running, I do not know. And the witness will address this court as judge or your honor. I'm quite certain I've earned it. Take your seat, Colonel. To discuss now, what would you like? My favorite color? Colonel, the 6 a.m. flight was the first one off the base? Yes. There wasn't a flight that, last, that left seven hours earlier and landed at Andrews Air Force Base at 2 a.m.? Lieutenant, I think we've covered this, haven't we? Hey, Your Honor, these are the Tower Chief's logs for both Guantanamo Bay and Andrews Air Force Base. The Guantanamo log lists no flight that left at 11 p.m., and Andrews log lists no flight that landed at 2 a.m. I'd like to admit them as defense exhibits A and B. I don't understand. You're admitting evidence of a flight that never existed. We believe it did, sir. Defense will be calling Airman Cecil O'Malley and Airman Anthony Perez. They were working the ground crew at Andrews at 2 a.m. on the 7th. 
Your Honor, these men went on the list. Rebuttal witnesses, Your Honor, called specifically to reflight testimony offered under direct examination. If you look closely, Jessup, you can see a drop of sweat here. I'll allow the witnesses. Ridiculous this is. Colonel, a moment ago, the tower logs checked for forsake. We'll get to the airmen in just a minute, sir. A moment ago, you said that you ordered Kendrick to order his men not to touch Santiago. Right, that is. And Kendrick was clear on what you wanted? Crystal. Any chance Kendrick ignored the order? The order ignored? Yeah, any chance he just, you know, forgot about it? No. Any chance Kendrick left your office and said, oh, the old man's wrong? No. When Kendrick spoke to the platoon and ordered them not to touch Santiago, any chance they ignored him? Any time you ever spent in an infantry unit, son? No, sir. Served in the Ford area ever? No, sir. Put your life in another man's hands. Asked him to put his life in yours, have you? No, sir. Orders we follow, son. We follow orders, or people die, they do. Simple it is. Clear are we? Yes, sir. Clear are we? Crystal. Kathy speaks with a quiet confidence that comes from knowing you're about to drop your opponents. Colonel. <laughs> I have just one more question before I call Airman O'Malley and Airman Perez. If you gave an order that Santiago wasn't to be touched, and your orders are always followed, then why would he be in danger? Why would it be necessary to transfer him off the base? Santiago... <clears throat> Private Santiago, a substandard Marine, was. Being transferred off the base, he was because... But that's not what you said. You said he was being transferred because he was in grave danger. Correct, that is, but you said he was in danger he was. I said grave danger. You said, I recall what I said. I, I can have the court reporter read it back to you. I know, know what I said. I don't read it back to me like I'm a... Then why the two orders? Colonel, why did you... Into their own hands, men sometimes matters take. No, sir. <laughs> you made it clear just a moment ago that your men never take matters into their own hands. Your men follow orders or people die. So Santiago shouldn't have been in any danger at all, should he, Colonel? You little bantha poodoo. Your Honor, I have to ask for recess to... I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. The court will wait for answer. If Kendrick told his men that Santiago wasn't to be touched, then why did he have to be transferred? Colonel? Kendrick ordered the code red, didn't he? Because that's what you called Kendrick. That's what you told Kendrick to do. Object. Counsel. Wait, what was that? Counsel. <clears throat> and when it went bad, you cut these guys loose. Your honor. That'll be all, counsel. You had Moccasin sign a phony transfer order. Judge, you doctored the logbooks. Dang it, Kathy. 
I'll ask for the fourth time. You ordered answers you want? I think I'm entitled to them. Answers you want? I want the truth. Handle the truth you cannot. In a world we live that has walls. Walls that have to be guarded by men with guns. Do it who will. You? You, Lieutenant Weinberg? I have a greater responsibility than you can possibly fathom. So much so that I'm speaking normal now. Weep for Santiago you do. Curse the Marines you do. Have that luxury you do. Have the luxury of not knowing what I know you do. Santiago's death, while tragic, saved lives probably it did. In my existence, while grotesque and incomprehensible to you, saves lives it does. Want the truth you do not. Because deep down, in places that you talk about at parties do not. Want me on that wall, you do. Need me there, you do. Words like honor, code, loyalty we use. The backbone to a life defending something. Use them as a punchline, you do. Neither the time nor the inclination to explain myself I have to a man who sleeps and rises under the blanket of the very freedom provide I do. Then questions the manner in which I provide it. Prefer you just said thank you and went on your way I do. Otherwise, suggest you pick up a weapon and stand a post I do. Either way, give a darn I don't about what you think you're entitled to. Did you order the code red? The job I did, you sent me to do, I did. Did you order the code red? First darn right you are, I did! <laughs> Please, the court, I suggest the jury be dismissed so that we can move to an immediate Article 39A session. The witness has rights. And sing. My apologies. My apologies. <laughs> it was fun. I've been sitting on it for a while and um, <clears throat> lost my voice. I did. I want to thank everyone who's joined us live at www.mixer.com slash show. We'd love for you to get over to the Facebook and like us there. So many people posting different stuff on the Facebook. Facebook.com slash geekoutloud. Twitter.com slash geekoutloud. And, of course, head over to geekoutonline.com. That's where you can see the schedule for the Goliverse recordings every week. You can buy T-shirts there by clicking on the Goliverse store. You can sign up for the email list by clicking on the Goal Insider. And if you head over to patreon.com slash geekoutloud, you can support the show via Patreon. We appreciate your support. There's rewards at every level. We've already given out some superhero, some superpowers. You can check out the Wall of Fame at geekoutonline.com to see all the people who've supported and what their superpowers are. We'll be adding more come July, come the end of July, so be looking forward to that. Tomorrow on the live feed, Rock Out Loud is coming. We want to hear from you at geekoutonline at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, so much for joining us. Thank you for your support of the Goliverse. And we'll see you next time 
on Geek Out Loud.